0: We'll see you in court. (laughs) Thank you. Have a nice day. Oh, hi, Mark. It's delicious. (laughs) Oh my God!
1: Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Big Fat Cult Movie Podcast. It's been quite a while since we've released an episode. Sorry about the wait. There's been a few things going on in the world, which I'm sure you're probably aware of by now. If you're listening to this in the future, then well done. We made it. It has meant that I've taken a bit of time off the podcast. And now I'm very excited to be back bringing you loads and loads of new episodes covering some extraordinary films over the coming weeks and months. I've also been really busy getting our eBay store up and running, the Big Fat Cult Movie Store, on eBay. You can find a link to that in the description below. And you can buy loads of films on Blu-ray, as well as film merchandise, keyrings, badges, posters, t-shirts, artwork, loads of stuff. So do check that out. Uh, It's become really popular and um, we're shipping all over the world and it's really exciting, but it's a bit manic. So now that is under control... We're here to focus on some weird films to get you through, you know, the third, fourth, fifth lockdown, who knows. If you have never listened to the podcast before, welcome. Thank you very much for choosing to tune in. This is a cult film podcast where I send a guest a list of films to choose from. They then pick a film, we go away and watch that film separately, take some notes and come back to discuss it on the podcast. We look at a range of different topics. Those topics are sex and nudity, gore and violence, acting, writing, special effects and WTF moments. We talk about our favourite scenes of the film, our favourite characters. We talk a bit about film and cult films in general, give some recommendations, and it's a lot of fun. So if that sounds like your kind of thing and you're not subscribed already, please do subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and various other platforms. And if you've got 10 seconds to give us a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts, that would be really appreciated. We'd love to reach more film fans. As always, in every episode we go into the film in quite a lot of detail, so that means there will be spoilers ahead. So if you haven't seen this film already, then pause now, go and watch it, come back and listen to us discuss it on the podcast. My guest this episode is the brilliant Paul Aitchison. Paul is a comedy performer, a magic performer, an actor, a writer. He's an all-round very talented creative person and, like me, has a lot of free time on his hands at the moment, so thankfully he agreed to come on the podcast and talk to me about this episode's film. So that's enough Waffle, sit back, relax and enjoy as me and Paul discuss this episode's film. It's 2016's very, very, very dark and highly disturbing comedy horror, The Greasy Strangler.
2: I'm sorry. My dad can get cranky sometimes as your father i forbid you to marry he sure has a temper on him he likes to shout i like to smile <laughs> a cheesy old cornball imagine me stroking your clitters with a pink feather yeah that's what i am i'm a cheesy old cornball
1: <laughs> i kind of like it hey stop talking to the customer and help dad with his shorts <laughs>
2: imagine if I farted
0: now? I love you. Like this? I don't know if I'm doing it right, Janet. Is this right?
2: Kiss my juicy cherry lips. <sighs> my dad
0: might be the greasy strangler. I'm officially dating Janet. I'm the Spider-Man in a cocktail. Bullshit artist! Bullshit artist! I call bullshit on that!
2: Bullshit artist! You're covered in horse shit!
0: You're gonna be my forever love.
2: You claimed her pussy, but you never claimed her art! <laughs>
0: Strangler.
1: Welcome to the Big Fat Cult Podcast, Paul. How are you doing?
0: I'm uh, not too bad, Chris. How are you doing yourself?
1: I'm good. Thank you for staying indoors on the hottest day of the year, the second hottest day of the year. It's it's very very hot. But you know what? Do, what better day to sit indoors and podcast and you know be in a slight fever dreamish way and talk about this uh, this wonderful film when we when we come to it shortly. <laughs> yeah. I feel that's the ideal way to see and talk about the Greasy Stranglers in a slight state of um, paranoia and sweat and stickiness. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> I think I think some movies should just have like a warning of like you can only watch this in the winter.
1: Yes, surrounded by people you trust and that won't judge
0: you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that reminds me of uh, Do you remember that 127 Hours? Yes, yes, yes. You just watch it so thirsty the whole way through because he's yeah. so thin, and uh, and I, I felt I felt sticky watching this movie, <laughs> <laughs> sticky, <laughs>
1: dirty, and um, with no desire to ever eat sausages again. I think that was my general um, my general takeaway from from this experience. You're a big film fan in general, there, right? I am.
0: I think I'm probably full more into the sort of traditional film fan as opposed to the sort of the mm-hmm. cult films. Although I'm always a bit confused as to where that where to draw the line, you know. Okay, like I, I know I'll speak to you about movies, and yes. I see just as much as I can when the cinemas mm. are obviously open. But there's other times where I feel like there's a whole world of the sort of obscure B movies that I just never really caught up on. But if, yeah. if it came out for a major release, I, I, I've definitely seen it. I've watched far too many movies.
1: I'm somewhere in the middle. Well, I mean, lockdown, I've only watched horror and cult. Films. I've been trying to make my way through as much of the genre as possible. Turns out there's a lot of it. There's a lot of films. Yeah. I've got several hundreds, if not thousands, to go, but I'm I'm making
0: good progress. What does that do to your psyche, sort of being surrounded by just weirdness and gore and awkwardness and. (laughs) And on top
1: of a global pandemic and not being able to leave the house and only eating donuts and. Diet Coke. I
0: found myself leaning, to, I'm more likely to watch a Pixar film with all the <laughs> stuff going on in the world. So it's like, right, I, need, I need something, yeah, something quite, cute and wholesome.
1: <laughs> I'm quite frightened to uh, actually watch a good wholesome film because I'll, you know, I'll just be waiting for someone's head to explode or someone to come in and butcher the dog or something. I mean, you know, not all cult films are completely nuts. Some of them are just, you know, obscure classics. So some of them are slightly less mentally damaging than others but uh that cannot be said for this film which we'll come on to very shortly but do you, do you have um do you have a favorite obscure film
0: so in preparation for this i thought right i'll have a look and see what sort of counts as a cult film and mm. for instance i found this list from rolling stone of 25 cult films and they had things like uh pulp fiction on there and yeah. to me that's just such an of like it's on the stranger side of filmmaking perhaps but it's, it's it doesn't seem like anything sort of cult or underground or sort of, you know, like a sort of a secret film in any sense. So things like, you know, on on that, on that list, movies like, I mean, with Nell and I, is always one that I go back to a lot because it's just, if I go back to my school days, my my school days are spent quoting the office and with Nell and I, and that's sort of, that's been a big sort of uncle Monty and all that. It's it's a a big sort of cultural benchmark for me. Yeah. But you know, princess bride's one of the best, most rewatchable movies ever made mm. and apparently yeah, that, that definitely... counts as a cult as a cult yeah, film. yeah it does 100% like to me it's it just seemed like because I grew up with it it just seemed perfectly normal
1: yeah I mean I think it, it cult is a very loose term and kind of covers you know any film with a specific following that falls outside of the mega mainstream I guess so you know all you know horror world cinema b-movies films that were low budget or even films that had a high budget but maybe picked up critically acclaimed you know following later down the line so there's lots of different um categories of cult films I guess I'm mainly looking at the weirder or lesser known ones in this podcast just because it's a bit more interesting and also you know you get to watch a film about a man who covers himself in Greece so you know yeah (laughs) you're welcome okay well let me fill the listeners in on the plot of The Greasy Strangler, along with all the important bits of info. So here's the synopsis from IMDb. Ronnie runs a disco walking tour with his son Braden. When a sexy woman takes the tour, it begins a competition between father and son for her love. It also signals the arrival of an oily strangler who stalks the streets at night. Directed by Jim Hosking, written by Toby Harvard and Jim Hosking, stars Michael St. Michael's, Skye Elabar, Elizabeth Durazzo uh, amongst Many other weird and wonderful actors. Jim Hosking. This was his first feature film, but he'd done some shorts before that. And he also he also directed an evening with Beverly Lufflin, which is on Netflix at the moment, which um, is on my list. But apparently that's um, very good, very weird, but more accessible than the Greasy Strangler. Um, so it'd be interesting to see that and see how that compares but yeah the film came out in uh, 2016 so it's relatively new um had you heard of this film before i sent the the list over
0: yeah i had i think they i listened to the um mayo and kermode film review most weeks yes. I'm pretty sure pretty sure they mentioned it as a if you want to see something really peculiar you should <laughs> check this movie out so it was on the list of things that i wanted to see at the cinema i just didn't get around to for whatever reason
1: yeah, I don't know if it had much of a cinema release over here. I think maybe Picture House or you know those uh, the smaller chains will have shown it.
0: Well, that, that's the thing because I, I most of my work's in central London. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually around that part of town, so finding so you know, really lucky being in London that actually finding a, a Picture House or a Prince Charles or something is mm. is easy, and it doesn't mean I have to go and seek them out and travel. So I'm usually usually able to go and see the slightly older films or the foreign films.
1: Yeah. And uh, what made you pick this to watch for the podcast out of the other films on the list?
0: Uh, the fact that I knew what I knew of it sounded pretty bonkers <laughs> yep. and uh, that I knew it had a good reputation, but that also it was quite a, a, just quite like an unforgettable film. And that's definitely sort of how I feel about it. I still haven't quite, <laughs> quite processed it. it. It was just <laughs> something sort of like happened at me and I sort of watched it and thought, you know, you, you, you have... Like anytime any sort of piece of art or anything makes you feel that many emotions from like revulsion to humor to disgust to yeah. almost at times just wanting to turn it off and be done with the film <laughs> and then sort yeah. of sticking with it. And and I had plenty of reactions to it. They weren't all positive throughout, but sort of, it, okay. you know, I've watched, I've watched a lot of films where I felt nothing. And uh, mm. this is a film where I felt plenty. And I think that's probably what they were going for more than anything.
1: I watched a, I think it was a Sundance intro from the director and the cast, and the director just said that he wanted to make a film that, you know, hadn't been done before and just made people feel some reaction. And whether they like it or not, they'll come away from it feeling that they've experienced something unique or different from a lot of the offerings. So I think that it certainly achieved that.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: So what were your initial thoughts on the film? How did you... uh, prepared? Did you watch it with your loved ones? Did you watch it in, a, in an isolated room?
0: So I watched it in an isolated room on the laptop with headphones. And I okay. do regret not having seen it in a busy, slightly tipsy, sort of <laughs> yeah. sh- shared audience, because I think it's one of these films that actually is best shared, because, so that you can turn to people and go, what are you <laughs> seeing what I'm seeing? <laughs>
1: yeah, and then go for a few pints afterwards and try and digest what you've
0: it, yeah. Exactly. I I think it's almost like, you know, this is the sort of film where you, I think you need to see it with somebody who's already a fan of it to get the most out of it. In the same yes. way that, like with The Room, I think if you just said to somebody, go and watch The Room, tell me what you think, mm. they wouldn't get anywhere near as much out of it as if I said, right meet me on wednesday at eight o'clock i'm gonna take mm. you to the prince charles i've got a bag of plastic spoons you can have a couple of pints before, <laughs> no further get... <laughs> questions <laughs> and sort of somebody's there to sort of guide you through that process yeah. of uh, yeah. the learning curve which i suppose to an extent the the movie the disaster artist now does i sort of felt like i needed maybe somebody to sort of pass it on to me
1: yeah, I um, I think this is one of maybe five films that I would, you know, actively go with someone or sit with someone and watch and be like, okay, you want to see something mad and hilarious and disgusting and yeah. nuts? Then this is this is a good fun film to watch with with friends in your house or in cinema. Um, I saw this, so I think this is the third or fourth time round that I've seen it. The first time I just completely lost my mind. And uh, it was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. And I was watching it with a friend and we watch all those kind of films together. So it was, you know, perfect. And I introduced it to another friend who had the same initial reaction that I did. And that was really fun seeing, watching their reaction and then watching it from a, you know, studying it point of view. Uh, It was interesting to see how all the bits come together. And I still, yeah, I still enjoyed it as much the third or fourth time around. Still shocking and it's still gross and it's still hilarious and unbelievable. But yeah, that, I think that first reaction and seeing someone's first reaction to it is particularly enjoyable. What were your initial thoughts on the film as a whole?
0: Unforgettable is is probably the, the main thing. There's certain images in there, um, <laughs> just completely completely burnt into my retina. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, some that I kind of never really wanted to be burnt into my retina, but you know, yes. An old naked man with a huge slung getting dried off in a car wash and then just yeah. being blown. It and how long they hold some of these shots. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's just. <laughs> <It's Yeah. laughs> just, it, when, when you said about the director, I just literally just Googled him just now and I just briefly saw for the first time that he was British and I thought, that makes so much sense. Yes. There are some sort of, you know, office style, sort of awkward British humour that mm. is something that I think we have a sort of, you know, a comedic sort of history with and you see it less so in the States. Yes. So things like yes. when he, um, uh, on the tour, when he pulls, because there's no free drinks and he gets so annoyed with it, yeah. he just pulls a moonie. But <laughs> yeah. then he pulls the movie. And he sort of holds it for about minutes. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's still there and you just think sort of and it suddenly all just fell into place when I saw it it was a British director, even though it's it obviously it completely feels like sort of like a rundown suburb of LA film.
2: Mm, uh, absolutely.
0: That, that little sprinkling of of sort of um, British sarcasm and and mm. uh comedy intention rather than in gags uh, yeah. just sort of made a lot of sense to me. It feels
1: very much like it could be made in the seventies or eighties with the the content and how over the top it is. I should probably mention that uh, Elijah Wood was involved in producing this film, put some money behind uh, it. Uh, yes, as, what, as, wait. as was um, Ben Wheatley. Ben Wheatley, yeah, two amazing minds coming together.
0: Spoilers, but you're definitely going to get one of those Chris Christians right. At
2: the <laughs> <end>. <laughs> this
1: is good news to me. I mean, yes. you know, it's hot and I'm disturbed. So I may well forget many of those things, but, um, good to know, good to know in the bag. <laughs> so, yeah, it's got some great people involved in, in all respects. Um, and you know, it's very well made, decent budgets by the looks of it. And, um, it's a proper film. It's not just, you know, chucked together. It's, it's nuts mm-hmm. and it's gross, but everything is very well. It's very precise. And, um, well shot and well performed and etc etc
0: yeah i don't know who the cinematographer was but there were there were certain times where you just look at like a wall and he would just film the wall for a bit and it just mm. looked great mm. The times it had a sort of what i would equate to being like a wes anderson vibe but i'm sure wes anderson probably got it off some more obscure director that i don't know but it just those yeah. sort of those sort of neat shapes
1: color palettes as well with the bright pinks and the sort of yellow <laughs> yeah. brown wallpaper and the color of hair even you know like the white hair and the sort of red hair and the yeah it's all very uh looks very good on camera
0: i just i don't know it might come up later in the conversation but i just couldn't help thinking if i read this on as a script you know as, as an actor you, you read through a script, i'm not sure that i would have a got it on paper <laughs> yeah or b not thrown at 100 miles. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and and i think there must be so much trust in mm. ask a costume designer to, to make you, you know, those tour costumes or, yes. you know, ask, ask an actor to say these ridiculous things. You yeah. have these sort of arguments that go nowhere or, you know, the details in some of the conversations. And I, I think there's a very good chance that I would have completely have gone, mm, this, is, this is this is no good. So
1: particularly for a, a director's first feature film as well. I mean, he you know, he wasn't an established name yeah. at this point so you're not going oh that's a you know Wes Anderson film or that's a David Lynch film or whatever it's um this is a relatively new filmmaker who is bursting onto the scene with some absolute mad filth
0: you know it's so stylized particularly in uh, the performances I think I think to a lot of actors if you sort of directed them to perform in this sort of monotone stylized mm. uh, pastiche way you'd struggle with it because you think well is this just am I in something bad yeah 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 and I don't know because you can't really see a director's vision. You can only, you'd only get clues, and mm. you're going, "Well, I'm li- I'm literally bearing all for this."
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: literally and figuratively to be in something that turned out to that you definitely knew exactly what he was doing, where it mm. was going, and and had had a I think probably a very very strong plan of everything. Mm. I could imagine being on set on something like this and and, and just having no clue what was going on and really. <laughs> Sort of thinking, should I call the agent? Is this?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's a it's a bold yeah it's a bold step for any actor, really. I mean, you know, no one in this is hugely well known. People yeah, they've all done other projects, but um, it's not a risk in that sense. You know, it could go either way. It could massively elevate your career, or it could be could be game over. Yeah. So for each film, I'm going to go through. Go through a number of topics. Those topics are sex and nudity, acting, gore and violence, WTF moments, writing, special effects, and then our overall rating at the end. I mean, I could probably talk for an hour on each of these topics, I imagine, but we'll try and be as concise and uh, informative as we can. Sex and nudity, let's start with that. That seems like a good place to start with. The Greasy Strangler, what uh, <laughs> were your initial reactions to uh, the onslaught of nudity in this film?
0: I think probably... 30% of the screen time of this movie is is, is nudity. And I think that's got to be close to a record. Yeah. Huge, huge <laughs> amounts of, of sex and nudity in a really sort of, in that kind of really awkward way. And also you don't usually see people in movies who aren't in great shape. No. At some point we'll talk about the, what I'm assuming are prosthetic penises of various sizes. Yes,
1: yes, <laughs> I can. Um, I can 100 say
0: they are all prosthetic penises. Yeah, but there was also within that there was a lot of range. I mean, the I think the most the image that everyone's going to remember is the big spotlight on the guy dancing in the, oh, the disco yeah. club. I love in it the purple, in the purple in the purple jumpsuit. It. Yeah, and yeah, I remember watching it and thinking did I like, skip just a little bit <laughs> and I've gone into i have gone into as you know did my did my internet skip There's like, is it am I definitely seeing this and yeah. and it, it was one of those moments i I did wish I was watching it with a friend in lockdown so I could then oh <laughs> yeah
1: I lost my I lost my mind at that point the fact that it was so bizarre and so funny in the music and the the surrealness i it took me a good while to notice that his entire crotch area is completely see-through and um on his outfit and is just he's just (laughs) got his cock pressed up against some like gauze. Um Uh. and the rest is like a velvet jumpsuit thing. Prosthetic penis, I should say. Yeah, I mean they're certainly inventive with the sex immunity and even though it's gross and horrific, it doesn't feel exploitative. It doesn't feel like it's kind of I mean it's it's trashy absolutely but it feels like everyone's in a, a equal pegging everyone gets the bits out everyone is nothing is sexualized it's all quite disgusting and grotesque and makes sense with what we know of the characters they are in this world where everything is gross and everything is disgusting and it's after a while you kind of think i've seen everything i can possibly see so this is fine now i'm just going to go with with what this film is and there happens to be a lot of sex and nudity in it apparently michael st michaels the, the best name of any actor ever
0: yeah it does sound like a brand of plotted cream or something. yeah <laughs> So I I
1: had the joy of listening to the director's commentary on the DVD, which uh, I bought quite a while ago. Yeah, Michael St. Michael's, who plays Big Ronnie, aka the Greasy Strangler. His only objection or slight objection to being naked in the film and stuff that he had to do was the scene where he has to put his legs behind his head and fart, you know, pretty much show his entire anal anatomy. Yeah. And uh, that was his only reservation. But then on the day, he was like, this is what the director wants. I agreed to the parts. I agreed to the scripts. I'm going to do it. I think I did one take and that was the one they used. It's pretty grim. No one is coming out of this looking sexy.
0: (laughs) But also the the nudity, like, I mean, yeah, I think, like I said earlier, I think the best shot in the movie is, is, and they keep repeating and using the same footage every time. This every time he goes into the uh, to, to the car wash to get cleaned up, <laughs> yeah. and and I just the the, and the last bit where it's just him and the fans, almost like struggling not to be blown over, and sort of leaning <laughs> yeah. leaning forwards into it, and it's sort of you know skin's flapping around in the in, in the wind. It's, it's just it's a very funny image. Yeah. And also, also on a very warm day like today, it does make me think. Could I go into a car wash? Mm. It yeah. says it's dangerous. It says stay in the car. I <laughs> reckon that'd be okay. Yeah,
1: apparently those were real they actually you know, they were actually in that car wash and they said it was um incredibly painful. Um but they had to find the right one that was that had those old school brushes and not the ones that, you know. Completely take your skin off. But yeah, I mean, I made a list of the type of nudity that's in this film. I put there's nudity from the start. I mean, the first thing we, the first shot is two men in their pants and Ronnie has uh, an erection (laughs) and Brayden is in his pants. Braden is the son. And then from there, it's, you know, pretty much every scene has some kind of nudity. As male, male and female, complete uh, full frontal nudity. Lots of sex scenes, lots of prosthetic penises, big and small. (laughs) <laughs> Anal fingering. There's a grapefruit fingering scene, which is particularly gross. <laughs> so if it's not implicit, like visual sex and nudity, it's uh, disgusting. Very heavily implied. <laughs> yeah, lots and lots of sex jokes. There's a really horrible phone sex scene, and then there's just a sex scene where the Greasy Strangler pours grease all over the all over Janet, and um, just sort of yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's particularly grim. Yeah. How did you feel that it served the film? Were you uh, shocked? Were you <laughs> delighted? <laughs> I'm I'm not quite sure
0: how I feel about it. To be honest, I think because of the because it was so it's so unglamorous in every mm. sense. It didn't seem in any way. It almost didn't seem real. So it it didn't really register as as nudity in the way mm. that it might in certain films because there was so much of it. Where yeah. often often films, you know, by only having a small amount of it, it's quite sort of. Shocking or provocative or whatever mm. it is, but by having just this constant onslaught of it throughout, it's, it's very—it's um, no surprise that the first thing you see is a guy's ass walking up the stairs. Yeah, but also that, that, I, the second I saw that, I was like, "Yeah, that is what it's like at home." <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> like yeah.
0: like not in movies everyone just walks around in their pants at home when it's hot it's like, yeah, it's like in, you're
1: not... in a very unglamorous way yeah there is if lockdown <laughs> has proved anything it is this we will <laughs> get into any state and be comfortable with that state for two to three months yeah no agreed and because it's so surreal and grotesque you don't you don't think of them as actors playing these characters. They just look like these are weird people that they've found that have, you know, and they're all, as you say, they're all shapes and sizes and very unconventionally um, naked in the usual filmic sense. So there's all this ridiculous music in the background, comedy, high-pitched music. And
0: yeah, the the music's great. It sounds like a sort of, um, it sounds like a, a video game that I never had. <laughs> yeah, and never wanted. Somebody else had that music on their Mega Drive somewhere. Okay? Boop, boop, boop.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really good. It's just sort of high pitched, heightened, weird sort of disco synthy music.
0: I might be wrong on this, but I I had this hunch when I was watching it that if you slowed it down tonally, Mm. the the constant refrain of the ding 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 is 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 the two notes from the jaws, didn't you? (laughs) Just just sped up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
1: it's a possibility. Yeah. I would be very impressed if that's the length they went to to
0: that's my fan theory. It's almost certainly any, any <laughs> musician listening will get no, Paul you're that's completely wrong. But that's just <laughs> that sort of repetition of the two the two simple notes, just that kind of put me in mind of it and I thought there's something to that.
1: So uh what have you rated the sex and nudity out of five? I
0: mean it could be five or one, couldn't it? It depends <laughs> whether <laughs> I suppose. It's yeah. like is it good sex or nudity? It's kinda of hard to
1: Yeah. I usually like, go I usually go with the idea that it's, you know, how it, it how how yeah. it is part of the film and, and, you know, in whatever
0: sense. Then then it's gotta be five because it's it's doing something interesting with it and mm. there's plenty of it, so
1: Yes, agreed. No shortage. I've gone four out of five just because it is so hideous and also it's um I mean, there is about as much as you could have, I guess, in a film. So in that respect, it's, it's five. Mm. But in terms of overall, how it contributes to the film, and yeah, I've gone four out of five.
0: If the high number is good, you can't really, yeah, I'd, I'd stick at probably about four as well. Mm. But at times, I, was, I would have said, like, for a few seconds, i go, oh, God, minus five. Then, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it runs the full, the full scale there. Um, any scene could be rated in a different way, but uh, as an average, um, yeah, I've gone, I've gone four out of five.
0: It's integral to the film. Sometimes movies, even um, ones that use it in a comedic way, sometimes it feels a little bit like the movie stops so that the nudity...
1: Yeah, or that you know that, or that the director wanted to have some sex in there to make it you know more appealing, or wanted it to look exciting or whatever. Whereas in this, it's just like these. This is what the characters do. This is their life. This is how they are. So yeah, it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to make a film like this, you have to go all out. You know, if it was half-assed, literally, <laughs> then um, <laughs> you know it wouldn't feel true to the the style of the film. I think. Well, let's move on to acting then in in the film, which again, I think it could go either way because these aren't traditional movie actors, but with the style of this film, I think if you had genuine good film actors, this wouldn't work because it's too... You need people that can be abstract and be naturalistically
0: odd. It'd be quite fun to, um, to sort of re recast in our heads if this was like a traditional <laughs> traditional hollywood a-list who, who would be um yeah who would you who would you put as your two leads
1: yeah well the guy that um so the guy that plays Braden the sun he put on loads of weight for this film like he if you google pictures of him now he is he looks like he's a thin trendy hipster man that's in
0: loads of you know cool films and stuff he really reminded me of jeffrey Tambor. uh yeah 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 Arrested Development. I, whenever I was watching, I was like, "God, I just feel like I'm watching o- Oscar Bluth is like the the wasteful <laughs> Bluth with the long hair uh, of the two Bluth brothers." And I felt <laughs> like I was watching, like maybe this could have just been a little bit of his life backstory at some <laughs> yeah. point. I thought he was really good. Both the both the leads sort of were really interesting to watch on screen. Like mm. the 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 dad, I kind of wanted to see him. Give him a short back and sides haircut, put him in a suit, and make him play like a sinister Fox News anchor or something like that. <laughs> and I think, and I think, I think you know, he or like a Bond villain or something. And I think that there's something really, really watchable and sort of wise about his face. Yeah, he got the style of being just on the right side of over stylized without it feeling grating.
1: Yeah, no, he didn't feel like he was trying to be gross i mean some of it is you know the style is very forced and unnatural anyway but um he certainly embodies the character and what one thing to say is that every single person in this film is 110 percent committed to their role like no one is you know pulling a half-assed uh, performance in this film it's they're all giving it all they've got
0: and i, I really liked is it janet
2: the, the main? yes lady?
0: Yeah, yeah yeah so i like how sort of stylized she she played it it sort of reminded me a bit of um Almost like Audrey in um, Little Shop of Horrors or something. You know, it had that sort mm. of fifties, like that kind of femme fatale
2: vibe. Um, yeah,
1: and she's the main kind of, you know, she's the main focal point really because they're both fighting for her attention and yeah. And no, she's really good. Um, yeah, and I thought everyone was good. I mean, they're not, you know, if you put them in any other film on their own, then or with other material, maybe they wouldn't be uh, as watchable um, in certain roles but i think in these particular characters in this world in this film like together they're all they all completely nail their parts and um yeah they're just all as grotesque and mad and uh weird as each other i think
0: it's it's hard to answer this one because in many ways they're kind of purposely doing bad acting if you know what i mean yeah like that they're, they're 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 making you know they're not trying to be relatable or capture the human condition It's it's there's these peculiar one note um particularly some of the smaller parts who don't get to be in it for very long so they're very sort of one note. you almost could go like i'm not 100 sure whether this is like good bad acting yeah or a bad actor like the scene with the you know we want free drinks we want free drinks which was (laughs) was really making me laugh but i was also i have seen not good films that have acting just like
2: that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, yeah.
0: And, and thought, but are they, are they trying to capture that vibe or is this, uh, is this like a byproduct of how the filmmakers put this all together? But so judging the acting quality on a film like this, I think it's probably not a very helpful way of looking yeah. at it because, because it's, it's not what they're going for.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just said that. All the characters, the actors are, you know, amazingly grotesque. The The Indian tourist, as he's listed, is amazing. His <laughs> performance is yeah. so deadpan. So the, all the beats are there or slightly too long on purpose. And it's just...
0: There's that bit where he's talking about the, um, that I like to lick the flavour off the chips. <laughs> yeah. where it, it, it's so funny to watch, but there were times he almost like, it almost looks like he's trying to remember his life. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a bit like do you remember like Big Keith in the office where people were like can't quite work out whether this is like the best naturalistic performance
2: yeah yeah or yeah.
0: or is he just it just got you up lucky and this is just perfect casting for the perfect for the perfect role sort of thing and I th- I think it's
1: I think every, you know the casting did an amazing job with this film like everyone perfectly fits in with um with this world and you know they're all uh, no one takes you out of the film at all I don't think and because it's so weird it and everyone is on that level. It sort of becomes weirdly naturalistic in a way because everyone is like that and no one is so over the top that the only guy that maybe stands out a bit, and they mentioned this in the commentary because uh, apparently all the producers wanted to take him out of the film is the hot dog salesman. He's wearing like almost like an Elvis costume. No, you can't have more grease. I will lose my
0: license. I, I will lose my license.
2: <laughs> no, sir, enough,
0: please. That- that was the moment because it and it kind of set this precedent of I want some more grease, somebody dies. I want some more mm. grease, somebody dies. And when we got to the hot dog guy, and it's like I want some more grease, and I thought, and obviously it's now somebody's gonna, you know, he's, he's gonna die in a bit. And that was probably the moment during that scene where I thought, I hope the whole film isn't like this because mm. I've heard so much about this, yeah, and I've been so looking forward to watching it. that if it just got into that rhythm of sort of I want some more grease, and now. And now yeah, he's going to die. he yeah,
1: must die. Yeah.
0: That's the point of the film that sort of slightly worried me. And I thought it's okay. probably also the point of the film that if I was well, I was just worried that I wasn't going to enjoy it as much as mm. I had assumed that I would. And yeah. I just remember that that being my sort of sticking point of going, like, in some ways, if I was just idle, if I had stuff to be getting on with and I was flicking through the TV channels mm. and I'd seen this sort of what appeared to be establishing a rhythm of how the film was going to go. Yeah. That was potential, you know. I, the opening with the showing round, you know, this is where all the disco tunes came <laughs> yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But once it kind of got into that that more sequential setup, I thought, oh, this. I, ho- I hope this film doesn't lose me. And that's the mm. moment with the hot dogs. So it's interesting that you that you then say that's the moment they weren't one hundred percent sure about.
1: Yeah, they just they just said that he was so um, <laughs> so bad at delivering his lines. But then the director was like, no, that's what I, you know, that's what I want. That's the, that's the guy that I I envisaged. So. Um because yeah. I know it's it's staying in. It's perfect. And I, I love that scene. But um, but yeah, you you do feel like you're watching someone there who is that is just a guy that they found who is you know fits perfectly into that particular character. But any other film, you'd be like, no, this is this is terrible.
0: <laughs> I really like the. I, I don't know, like you know, the three tourists at the beginning. Yes. So the white the white one with the straggly hair, and yes. I couldn't work out where his accent was from because it was like a bit German, a bit English, and yeah, and it was sort of ju- it was jumping around. But I just.
1: Oh, it says it says here he's uh, he's a Scandinavian tourist.
0: There we go, Scandi tourist. But I just found I found his shtick just really sort of. He probably had about two or three lines, but I just yeah. him again. You've made plenty of those, and I enjoyed watching you.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's that thing as an actor when you get given one or two lines, and you just like, how do I how do I play this? And you know that was uh, yeah. Those, those smaller characters are really well handled, I think. I've gone five out of five because I think for this particular film, everyone is doing exactly what they should be doing.
0: My original one was three. Okay. But having heard having heard you make the case, mm. I'd probably actually knock it up because it it's very clear. And also, you know, I, I watched it once through and then sort of scan watched certain moments of it again. Mm. But I'm sure if I'd sat with this and seen it four times like you have, mm. then any question of is this bad acting versus is this very good bad acting if you can yes. see the difference uh would have gone so i'm probably prepared to actually move that three up to a four
1: nice yeah usually it's me being persuaded to uh to be more generous but i'm um, glad that i've pulled you and pulled you up with me this time
0: <laughs> well like i said sort of i'm still i've still got to process this this movie a little bit <laughs> i saw it two days ago and um like i said i'm not likely to forget some of the imagery in it or the music in it for a very long time
1: okay and then we move on to gore and violence which um again it's quite an integral part of the film i would say but it's really funny (laughs) as well yeah and very
0: inventive what were your thoughts i'm a big sucker for these sort of kind of hero gore moments where and I felt they were quite inventive. You know, you've, you, you you see a lot of movies like this where you're briefly cut to a rubber head and something disgusting will happen to it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I felt with this one that it, it was very aware that it wasn't trying to fool the audience in any way. Mm. It was just having fun with it. I think my favourite yeah. one was, oh, what was it? He sort of squeezed somebody's eyes inwards on themselves in his <laughs> yeah. face i think i think it might have been the the indian guy trying to get the crisps when he sort of squeezed his face in or something yeah so he um, punches
1: the first guy uh, and his whole face sort of caves in and there's like a tiny face <laughs>
0: that's <laughs> it sort of looks like a de- like a deflated football sort of <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah everything just shrinks and the whole face is punched in and that's yeah it's very cartoony and i think that hmm. that's the first i think that's the first um the first death isn't it
0: it is, and actually, the the moment when you first see the Strangler really mm. reminded me of you know that bit in Monty Python where the two guards are standing by, and then John Cleese is running across the running across the um,
2: oh yeah, yeah, the yeah field yeah. the field, yeah, and
0: yeah. it cuts back to the guards, and, a <laughs> and then dum 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 He's just keep and he just keeps running, and just seeing him running out the dark just sort of reminded me of that of uh, it's like what what would you do if you saw an old man running at you?
1: <laughs> Have you seen the Toxic Avenger, the trauma film?
0: I I have I have I I actually saw it because I saw the the musical at the uh, end yeah, the yeah, yeah, festival yeah. and then and then subsequently uh, twice in the West End because uh, me and some friends we just enjoyed it so much we kept mm. going back and getting trolleyed and yeah uh, loads of fun and, I'm, I'm watching Did you watch that
1: mm, Yeah I saw the uh, sorry yeah. the Southwark Playhouse and
0: uh, and then in the West End just just a, a a lot of fun but that got me into watching the I saw I think the first of the toxic avengers mm.
1: the first one and the fourth one are amazing 2nd 2nd one third. Mm-hmm. second one i've seen is not that good third one i haven't yet seen four is considered the official sequel yeah one and four go together very well but yeah it's mm-hmm. that it's that similar kind of like a modern trauma film where everything's disgusting and gross and everyone's covered in things disgusting yeah. things and
0: unlike something like robocop which it it, it doesn't Take itself seriously, or I think wanting way no. to have any any reaction, not even of disgust. I don't think is the aim. I think it's just to give you a giggle and a and a W two F moment. Yes, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe maybe the bit where he he sort of pulls the guy's pig snout off and pops yeah, his finger in. Yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah, and I, I, again, that was one of those moments of, uh, <laughs> where <laughs> in movies you kind of go, like "Wait did I did I miss something? Did... <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. What's the backstory behind this? What's the backstory like, of this character?" Like, called oinka <laughs> yeah so for gore and violence I've, I've listed a few of my favorites i've got well the first one is yeah someone thrown into a vending machine someone's face is punched in a lot of strangling of course it lives up to its title mm-hmm. quite a lot of people have their eyes squeezed out there's one where someone's eyes are squeezed out and then fried and then eaten which is particularly inventive the the guy with the fake pig nose where the pig nose is taken off and then is nose hole is fingered and there's loads of grease in there uh pass or whatever and then he eats the pus and yeah that's particularly horrible Ugh. heads are sawn off those moments are i think they're very well done it's cartoony and it knows it's ridiculous
0: there's some really fun moments as well like as they're dying they're also matter of fact to panic oh god am i dying oh, yeah. am i dead yet am Yeah. I, no <laughs> and those i mean it you know it, it felt like pure sketch comedy in the, in those moments
1: there's not really any. There's a little bit of blood, but most of it is just slapstick comedy gore, where just you know heads being ripped off or people being strangled, and it's not that gory in the in the traditional sense. It's more um, just comically gross, and the strangling is actually quite you know matter of fact and quite lame. And uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> the the one guy's getting, and I think it's the pig guy's like getting off on being strangled. Oh yeah, funny.
1: yeah, it feels great.
2: Yeah.
0: He's got that sort of general vibe that like at no point does anybody try and stop this sort no. of, <laughs> I, d- I don't know, let's say close to 70 year old man. Yeah. Sort of, you
1: <laughs> <know>. <laughs> yeah. So out of all the components of the film, I think it's uh, it's integral, but it's not there's not a huge amount of it. And what's done is relatively simple for a film of this style, I think.
0: Yeah, I I quite liked that. It kind of looked like if I had a if I had a box of stuff and a good Saturday, I could probably knock up these special effects myself. Mm. And that's what I really enjoyed about it was that yeah. they were of the level that seemed really sort of DIY.
1: Yeah, like the 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 heads and the eyeballs and the yeah the punching of the face. One is particularly good.
0: And right at the end when they kill the. They killed the guy with the abs. I can't remember his name. He's got a funny name.
1: Oh, uh, Ricky, Ricky Pickles. Yeah, when they killed
0: <laughs> Ricky, uh, Ricky Pickles. Oh no, yeah. Ricky
1: Prickles. Sorry, Ricky Prickles. Ricky Pickles, the, um, the well, Braden's stepdad. Yeah,
0: they 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 kill Ricky Prickles, and <laughs> you sort of see him running, and then they cut to his head briefly, being thrown under soil, and the head looks so unlike the brief yeah, 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 yeah. images yeah. we saw Ricky Pickles. <laughs> What's that name of that Peter Jackson film where he did all the?
1: Uh, well, he's done a few like that. There's uh, bad
2: taste, the, which was the really bad taste. But, yeah, with the, with, really with, with the puppets. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's that's what I'm thinking of. And there's some exploding heads and things in that yeah. one. that are, <laughs> you, you, you're pretty sure is is a is a balloon with yeah. with food coloring in it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I think it works in this in this film. I've I've gone 3.5 out of five because I thought it was inventive and fun, and uh, it wasn't too excessive. But the stuff that does happen is very funny and there's a few shocks in there as well
0: i loved the sort of the kind of the hero beats and the moments of the the squashing faces and the heads and and how they were done part of me didn't massively love or or thought you maybe it could have had one stage further because it's so integral on the kind of the design of the greasy strangler suit as it were yeah because yeah. at times I kept thinking, you remember that bit in Mrs. Doubtfire where he uh, <laughs> with the, has the the meringue on the cream on the face. Gets, yeah, yeah the, the, the creamy cake on the face. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like, it's kind of like that all <laughs> it's over. It's the
1: greasy pavlova. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what, what would you rate the gore and violence overall?
0: Uh, five out of five, unless you're also including the, and this is what our sort of monster looks like, because i kind of I kind of felt a little bit like there was further to take it somehow, I think it's more in the wide shots where it looked very much like it was somebody in a in a sort of flesh colored morph suit basically yeah yeah yeah, but I enjoyed those, and it just it reminded me of the sort of silly films that we used to rent from blockbuster that had they sort of you know that we we were fourteen and the guy let us rent in eighteen, so we looked we looked for the most disgusting looking <laughs> box cover we could find and and it had lots of sort of exploding heads and things like that. So.
1: Okay, let's move on to uh, WTF moments because I've got a long list mm-hmm. of these. I mean, I think any moment in this film could be considered that, depending on your film viewing taste.
0: When you sent a few questions over the, for talking points next to WTF moments, I just wrote plenty. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> next, <laughs> um, what, what did you n- rate n- the
1: what did you rate the gore and violence? By the way. Did you say five or four? I think,
0: I think five. Maybe yeah. Let, let's say five. Okay. Because I, I just, they, they really made me giggle. So. <laughs>
1: Um, okay, and then, yeah, WTF moments. Loads. I mean, for, right from the beginning, when the Greasy Stranglet, a.k.a. Big Ronnie, says, um, you should try putting some grease in your coffee. Or did you put any grease in that coffee? And it's like, mm-hmm. what, 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 That's And right from that point, you kind of go, okay, this is going to be disgusting if this is the opening scene. Mm. They set up the, the premise and the style of the film pretty much almost immediately, I would say.
0: It made me feel sick, to be honest. Like, just sort of looking at, Looking at the sausages in that yeah, in that amount of oil.
1: The potato scene kills me every time. It's one of the funniest um, funniest movie scenes with the, the Indian tourist and the Senghalese tourist and the Scandinavian tourist. <laughs> he says, tell me what is in your chips. And he just can't say potato. And it just goes on for five minutes of him trying to say potato. He's trying to say potato. <laughs> oh, yes, potato, potato
0: chips. It's funny because for for me a little bit that one sort of slightly ran out of steam, and again I think that's the 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 danger of watching something like like these sort of these sort of comedies need to be shared.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did watch it with a friend, and then once one of us started laughing, we were both completely lost it by the point where it was just, you know just escalated, and then it's um you're by the end you're just laughing at a man trying to say potato. <laughs> <laughs> but i think it's just the reaction and how deadpan everyone is and how determined he is to um to get his point across
0: also how low the stakes are in that scene It's yes. very, very rare to have, have any movie where so little is happening <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and also the fact that he's dressed in like some sparkly hot pants and then the other guy is dressed like a kind of disco you know 70s disco guy with a, uh, an afro and then he's dressed, you know it's all um everyone is so deadpan and so uh unusually dressed in front of this sad looking motel, not knowing that, that was the you know the moment when he's about to die as well. It's just before his his death scene. So that's the last the last conversation they had with any humans was potato, potato, bottle, potato.
0: Yeah. Uh, Potle. <laughs> I love the design. You know when they go to the fancy restaurant? Yeah. Sort of place where probably your parents met like (laughs) their first date would would have been in in a restaurant just like that
1: yeah it hasn't been updated since it opened
0: yeah i just as soon as i saw that i was like somebody's found a photograph of that backdrop and repainted it back onto the walls (laughs) of an italian restaurant yeah i hadn't really i hadn't clocked that i hadn't actually clocked that thing about um food being a theme but actually every scene every Mm. scene does revolve around food
2: yes food or even taken as
0: far as the the big man (laughs)
1: Oh, Pigman, yes, Oinka, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I was almost going to ask you whether I'd, like, missed something. Or no, Or whether no, there was, like, one so. throwaway line of, of backstory or... No, not that yeah, I'm no. aware
1: as of. As far as I can see, he just no. has a friend who... It's called Oinka, who makes pig noises yeah. has a pig nose. Right. Um, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and gets killed off in a very gross way. Hootie Tootie Disco Cutie is probably my favourite yes, of the WTF yes, that,
0: moments. That, just how long... it, it Again, It's it, it's the... <laughs> It's, it's the taking an idea and committing to it Yeah, until it's funny. Like,
2: yeah. it,
1: the original edit of this film was two hours and 15 minutes long. And they, uh, because all of the scenes went on for, you know, twice as long as they did. So they, they lost 45 minutes and still the... Uh, had the movie. <laughs> yeah, the scenes are still, you know, very elongated. But it's a great catchphrase, Hootie Tootie, Disco Cutie. And, yeah, um,
0: and, it, and it's such a bizarre thing to... Just saying, they kind of got this little dance that they kind <laughs> yeah. of do. They sort of, you know, they're kind of wiggling in time to it. Yeah. And then, and then it kind of becomes a weapon. And when she changes sides again, they use it up against the, against the dad. And it's it kind of takes on this importance that it should never have, but it does.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> One of the things I thought whilst watching it, because I really enjoyed the sort of peculiar, both like the living, the living situation, obviously is kind of you know. It's kind of got that sort of turn son mm. vibe. Yeah. Do you remember Bottom? The Rick mm-hmm. Mail, yeah, Agent yeah, yeah. and you know, two guys living in squalor, arguing. It sort of yeah. immediately sort of makes you think of things like Bottom, which again actually makes sense now that I know it's a British director. Mm. If you just forget about Greece and forget about the murders, mm. like there's, there's actually a really interesting film to be made, like yeah. in that setup of. Of these two, you know, father and son, particularly with that small age gap. He said he had him at sixteen, which mm. just sent shivers down my spine. I thought, oh, Christ, <laughs> yeah. I could, oh my god, I could have a sixteen-year-old by that you know, age. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah,
0: like how, how mm-hmm. terrifying that would be if you had a kid by by sixteen. If you just had this as a sort of kooky, kooky, weird coming-of-age drama with the dad sleeping with the, it, it kind of, it, it's an interesting
2: mm.
0: premise, and you know, particularly with them working together doing these tours and everything, I thought, God, you could almost just completely do away with anything to do with murder or Greece, and have quite an interesting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> little kind of chamber piece.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> because I thought, okay, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm into this story. And then the huty putty thing, like you say, it does take on its own sort of whole power and metaphor and stuff. Mm. So it's,
2: yeah.
0: that felt important to the film. And, and I've kind of put the, you know, I put that in my sort of three favorite moments of the film because it, it just feels so, Yes. uh integral, even though it's ridiculous, which I think is is kind of what you could say about this film
1: yeah I mean, I've given wTF moments the full the full five the whole film is uh wonderfully baffling, and um I just genuinely had no idea what was coming next when I saw it for the first time, so um yeah full five full five from me how about you
0: yeah i think I think it has to be five because that's the emotion that I felt the most, yeah. like so. <laughs> yes, what, whatever, agreed. whatever I've given for anything else. Yeah. What I T F? I don't know whether you're allowed to swear on your podcast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, W T F is uh, is is what I felt throughout. <laughs> <me>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I censored myself there. I was like, shall <laughs> felt...
1: I mean, <laughs> we've talked about anal fingering, so I think we can say fuck. <laughs>
0: yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> plenty, plenty, plenty of c words in this as well, actually.
1: Yes, and that's. That's very British as well, isn't it? And the just, un, you know, calling your family members guns is so over the top and uh, unnecessary, but that makes it <laughs> very funny. Uh, which brings us on to the writing. Um, let's talk about the writing, which also covers, you know, the structure and how the, the film has been written as a whole. This had two writers, this film, so it's co-written uh, by the director, Jim Hosking and Toby Harvard. What do you think of the writing overall?
0: My instinct is that I... Didn't think the writing was the strongest part, but then, particularly in a film like this that's so so knowing and stylized, and as the film is kind of having its cake and eating it at the same mm. time, that all has to come from the writing. So any any points that anywhere else has had in any of these other categories, deep down, are the writing. Mm. Yet you don't watch it and go, "God, this is good writing." <laughs> yeah, because absolutely, it's it's inherently not because of. Well, I, uh, the, sand, yeah. the sand pit is choosing to play in
1: but again like the acting it's so sort of meticulously written to seem naturalistic that you almost forget that it's not entirely improvised or that it's not like they say in a lot of the interviews and stuff that everything was scripted mm-hmm. so it's from that sense it's very comes across as very real in the sense that these are the words that these characters would say
2: yeah it's
0: it felt you know things like oh, you're going to be smooth with her. You know, or like <laughs> yeah, you're
2: a smoothie. <laughs> you're, you're smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> so it it
0: it did, and it felt of a piece. I'd, I'd be um, interested again to know whether the co-writer, so it was co-written with the director, hmm. whether yep. there was an American an American voice in that creative team, yeah. uh, whether it was an American co-writer or not, because it, it it you know it did feel it felt like a slice of Americana that sort of you know died out with died out with Woodstock, but is <laughs> is really sort of interesting to be around, and I haven't really seen much of that vernacular on screen before
1: no, yeah, agreed yeah, you can't really place the characters by the writing like they could be in any
0: it's almost like if you if you said, oh this is set during the the late fifties you go mm. okay and it, uh, as you know the the, the the disco references do do date it, but it's sort of it, it kind yeah. of could go any you know it has that sort of seventies vibe, but it could be set last week. Hmm. I sort of felt it was kind of going for like a kind of 90s, just almost looking at the design of the potato chips and things. You know, so yeah. It just all seemed quite 90s. But yeah.
1: Bullshit artist. Bullshit, bullshit artist. artist.
2: You're a bullshit artist. Bullshit artist. <laughs> bullshit. Um, <laughs> that
1: is, again, it's got some good catchphrases in there. You wouldn't think this would be the film for catchphrases, but Bullshit Artist, Smoothie, and 2 Tootie, Disco Cutie are you know, three uh, phrases or words I will be using dropping into conversations when I'm allowed back into the real world. So I said it was very disturbing and surreal, but also the characters are very well written, some very silly jokes, very gross. And then the ending is just sort of strangely moving, like it kind of builds to a nice, satisfying surreal climax where it's you know it is ultimately a father and son journey and and a romantic comedy of, of sorts i think the structure is good i think it's uh the fact that they cut it down to 90 minutes was a wise choice i think
0: what did you think about the um crazy ending
1: yeah i didn't entirely understand whether that was them actually dying and they were imagining that they were happy and together as the dad mm-hmm. and, or the other way around where they were imagining a world where they were being you know tried for their crimes or whatever
0: my instinct was it was them sort of saying well that the society abiding side of us mm. is is dead mm. so we're going to go off and be father and son having bigfoot style adventures in a yeah. wood <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, again it's like but then then it their, you
1: know their heads crack open and loads of confetti, and and confetti comes out and, yeah out.
0: And, and yet, you, you kind of go, wait, who are these? Who are these two old men with AKs? Like again,
1: <laughs> apparently, when they were filming the scene, so there's three men, sort of in shorts, like shooting mm. like a firing squad at these uh, at the two guys. And uh, apparently, the guy, <laughs> one of the guys just had an erection for the whole um, for the whole scene. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the one of the producers pointed it out afterwards, and he was like, "Oh yeah, no, yeah, he did." So that says something about the, where they got these actors from, that one guy was just very happy to be there.
0: It briefly reminded me of um, Deliverance, you know, when they're all sort of mm. tied up in the woods and going to be shot with crossbows and all that, all that. Yes. Maybe I haven't quite got the, the headspace for, for cult movies, mm. but I... It's a process. Uh, it's definitely I, a process. I, I, <laughs> I was watching it and then I was like, oh God, they've been captured. Wait, who's... Did my internet skip again? Did I did I miss like just the thirty? Seconds? And I was rewinding. I was like, no, nope, this is just what the film that's, is doing. This is yeah,
1: fine. it's a very much a, let's just go with it kind of film.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like to think that in uh, in thirty years' time there will be a generation <laughs> who are just like, oh yeah, this is that's just that film that's been around. Oh, my dad likes a greasy strangler. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> so for writing, I've gone four out of five, mainly because of the the world that they create and the characterization and just everything that they managed to cram into 90 minutes and for it to kind of make sense and and be very funny and gross and just some of the you know individual lines were so good i thought it was it was constructed with heart if not the most you know technically proficient bit of writing but i thought it was I thought it was good
0: i think this would be the one category that i'd have to go lower because like i said i sort of have a a love-hate is too strong because I don't hate anything. Mm. So uh, should we say like a like a sort of a love-meh relationship with mm. this film? Um, and obviously, you know, everything deep down is comes back to, to the writing and so there will be elements, that, the things that I did like are successful oh, in this category, but also the things I didn't like have to come up in our category, mm. and I guess that this, would be, this would be the place to put it. So I'd sort of, my kind of pendulum swing between loving moments and at times thinking oh this hasn't quite gripped me yeah or or something that made my reaction not pure enjoyment has to come out in this category so weirdly I I put two and a half for this one okay but I think the chat is probably yeah talking it through like I said earlier it's the sort of film you need to have a you need to have a sort of a a Gandalf figure guide you through it a little bit yes or or at least share the adventure and there are movies like that. Yeah, you, no, 100%. You, do, you, yeah. you absolutely do need to sort of watch it with company and or ideally with somebody who can kind of, you know, fill you in the gaps a little bit. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. I could almost have preferred, I think, more of the family dynamic and less of the Grease and the Strangling. Mm. Uh,
1: Would have been a very different movie without Grease Very well.
0: different. yeah yeah, of course i mean i know that's the most ridiculous thing to say
1: father and son film
0: (laughs) but yeah but but the moments that i enjoyed the most were the bickering father and son and how and how how she uh messed up that relationship and played them off against each other Mm. and how the and the father's motives and you know all the stuff about the ex and I'll kick you out of my house. And, you know, it really made me laugh. Like, You've got three and a half hours to get It's like, who goes three <laughs> yeah. and a half? Like, that's such a specific amount.
2: in Three and a half hours.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the things I liked the most about the film were those elements. Mm. And the the things that sort of left me sort of scratching my head were ultimately things like the crazy the crazy ending, yeah. which I know I, I was know supposed to take... Read, read into it as we will as our own metaphor mm. take us in all different directions but i it that was kind of where i think it kind of lost me a little bit yeah that's um funny. and so i th- think i kind of like the elements of the film the moments of the film more than i like the film as a whole mm. or at least my the things i love in a movie yeah weren't fulfilled always by mm. this
1: Okay.
0: I'd say three, but I had started off at two and a half.
1: Okay. And then our final category is special effects, which is very, very minimal for me. I've got uh, just a couple of notes. Um, I mean, it's mostly prosthetics and makeup, really, the special effects in this film. Uh, there's no mass explosions. There's no CGI. Uh, maybe the eyes and stuff are computer generated, but um, mostly, yeah, you... mostly prosthetics.
0: It's like all, all the special effects kind of come under the gore yeah. um, umbrella, with the exception of a few bits of purposely ropey CGI at the end. Yeah, you know, yeah. That expo- exploding yeah, heads yeah. and rainbows and things.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've gone, I've gone three out of five. How about you?
0: Yeah, I have probably said about three as well.
1: Okay, that's fair.
0: The fact that all the prosthetic stuff isn't trying to be good in the first place, because that's mm. part of the joy of this sort of movie. And it would be unfair to criticise things like the heads blowing up at the end because they're not trying to be good anyway, yeah, and it's absolutely. not that sort of movie. I also think there's probably more CGI in this than we think. just in terms of um, a lot of the colour grading hmm. that's yeah. been done, and that sort of post processing is is really particular.
2: Hmm. Uh,
0: and I wouldn't be surprised if even things like you know, like. The Greasy Strangler being superimposed over those buildings to look like graffiti and things like that. Yeah. Like quite often in movies, you have to, particularly low budget ones, it's where you don't have the money to do much set design, you know, you CGI on things like posters and Mm. uh, signage and you remove things from buildings. Yeah. The bleakness of the film quite possibly came from CGI that we would never think about being there.
1: Yeah. So three out of five seems, seems totally fair, I think. Okay, so in terms of your overall rating out of five for
0: The Greasy Strangler, what have you gone for? I think I'm sitting at, I was going to say three, but I've I've gone up to three and a half.
1: Okay, I have gone 4.5. I think originally I'd rated it as four and then having seen it a few more times and kind of, you know, delved a bit deeper into it and and then watched a couple of interviews and listened to the commentary and stuff. Yeah, I've gone 4.5. Did you have a favourite scene?
0: yes i think actually the original the whole set piece at the beginning of him showing around the uh this is where you know and i think we can assume it's all complete bullshit oh yeah you know, this, <laughs> this 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 is where this is where this happened and this is where this happened yeah giving his little his disco tour the people arguing over the drinks it set it up it was funny you got the you've got to learn the dynamic between the father and son it was just like a really nice good scene yeah um the fact that I've lent more towards quite a conventional <laughs> scene, yes, probably shows the things that I preferred in the movie over the the bonkers sort of gory stuff as well. Yeah, but that whole first scene was off to a cracking start.
1: Mm. Yeah, agreed. I love the disco dancing scenes, uh, the scene in the club, the spotlight dancing scene, and the the potato <laughs> potato scene. Um, it's just so out there and weird. And he's my He's my favorite character as well, the uh,
2: Indian Man. tourist.
1: Yeah, that's what yeah. is that's his official character name, the Indian tourist. Right, him and the hot dog vendor were my my two favorite characters. Okay, how about you for favorite character?
0: Well, I think my favorite character is probably the son,
1: mm, Braden.
0: Yeah, I sort of kind of liked that sort of tragic, stilted depression that he sort of just <laughs> sort of comes out of every 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 pore of him. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of felt for him. Hence, hence, I was like when the ending, of the final quarter kicks off. I was like, no, okay, well, this is there goes there goes my dude. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I liked her, and I thought she, I thought she probably had the hardest role in this by far.
2: Mm.
0: Again, with that sort of stylized type of acting and that type of script, and the type of character that she's playing, and and what the script asks of her, I think one wrong move from her. It could have really sort of upset the apple cart of the whole film.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah, She she's a good constant and she holds it holds it all together and she is the, the central figure, I guess, around which everything else revolves in the story. So, yeah, no, she's, she's a very good character. Cool. Okay, well, we're nearly at the end, uh, mm-hmm. but of course we need to find out who uh, has been paying more attention to this film. It is time for the quiz. I'm ready. I'm pumped. I'm determined to win. How are you at quizzing in general? Competitive?
0: I'm actually a damn fine pub quizzer.
1: Okay. Well, now your knowledge is being tested to the limits. Um, Yes. Would you like to ask questions first or would you like to answer
0: first? I I shall ask first. Okay. So, question number one. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was uh, St. Michael's previous career outside of acting?
1: Oh, the actual actor. Oh, I do... Oh, hairdresser.
0: Yes, correct. Apparently he was the hairdresser, one of the most in-demand hairdressers <laughs> to mean, the stars. I mean, in, it's usually
1: in... it's usually the case when a hairdresser, you know, has terrible hair. That means that they're a good hairdresser because they're, you know, more focused on everyone else. And he does have a fine set of bizarre hair.
0: Do, do you think that's his real hair or do you think that's a
1: wig? It is his real hair. Well, at least in every interview, he has cut okay. hair, and he's not. You know, it's exactly the same. I'm, I'm willing to believe it's his real hair. Okay, correct. I, <laughs> I will
2: give, this is
0: you've, you've done well there, Chris. This is good. Okay, next question: How many greasy sausages does the sun cook? Ooh! In the whole
1: film, or in
0: uh, in the scene where he's cooking some greasy sausages?
1: I think it's. I'm going to say three.
0: Okay. Well, I'm sorry, Chris, but
1: uh, <sighs> <it's>,
0: it. <sighs> It's six sausages six okay okay when he's watching her through the loo uh when she's on the loo and he's yes. watching her through the peephole which yes. is a very funny thing <laughs> how many and, and this is very much a COVID question i wouldn't okay. have asked you this six months ago okay how many toilet rolls do they have in their house <laughs> is it a there's an abc oh is it choice. a a 10 b 20
1: or c zero Ooh. I don't think it would be zero. Surely not 20. That's insanity. I'm going to say 10. It is
0: 20. 20 20 toilet toilet
1: rolls. rolls. I mean, I guess if you're eating that much grease.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I just thought it was really nice, the set design, that they would have 20.
1: So uh, what are we up to so far? I've got one question right so far. You
0: have one question right. Oh my God. Bullshit artist. Bullshit artist.
1: (laughs) Bullshit artist.
0: Okay. What flavour of crisps... What flavour of crisps do not come out of the vending machine?
1: Paprika Ridge, mate. Paprika-ridged chips.
0: Exactly. This is...
1: <laughs> I know that, as that was one of my questions. Luckily, I have a backup.
0: Particularly given what we've already discussed, you will never guess this next question. <laughs> Which resident of Middle Earth produced <laughs> this movie?
1: Elijah Wood.
0: Uh, I'm now going to have to because we already knew this. So I'm going to have to improvise a further Elijah Wood question. To, um, okay. Okay. What was uh, who did Elijah Wood play in Back to the Future? What? Back oh, to the Future. Well, technically Back to the Future Part Two, but I treat them
1: as one. I mean, technically, this is an unrelated film. I know, question, but... so I refuse. I refuse. I I um I'll uh use my eighth or the sixth or whatever it's called. Yeah, well, <laughs> i'll appeal you're pulling the tent yeah yeah fair enough. yeah <laughs> i uh, say that i got that question right fine uh, yes so that you, is i mean i've still only you got two you've got two to beat i know or three but
0: I, three i was hoping, three I was three hoping to we'd only have to have to beat one <laughs> okay right so now do you, do you want do you want to know the elijah wood oh yes please answer yes um it's the when when they're playing the the video game in the futuristic cafe mm. And then he's like, oh, I love this game. And he's playing a shooting game. And he's like, you have to use your hands? That's a baby's game. It's from babies. Why are you playing baby games? That little kid is uh, a very precocious down uh, Elijah Wood.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Right. So three to beat. Question one. What are the disco tour group members disappointed to hear isn't included on the tour?
0: Uh, fizzy drinks. Uh, but but to yes. be honest, they would they would accept ju- even just water, just yeah. free drinks. And yeah, free off. drinks, free drinks.
1: Yeah, <laughs> one point. <laughs> Question two: Name three alternatives to bullshit that Ronnie says to Brayden. So he lists a number of animals yes, instead of bullshit. Yeah, he does. Doesn't he? Um, so list list three.
0: So there was bullshit artist, horseshit artist. I think cat shit artist came at one point mm-hmm. it, I, if I've made this up I'm sorry but wasn't it like wasn't it like penguin shit artist it was k- and then yes. king penguin it was
1: artist. yes yeah <laughs> no bonus points I'm afraid but that was no those point. are all correct yes you could have had horse shit cat shit tiger shit lion shit penguin shit king penguin shit duck shit artist and then he says bullshit artists a few more times that's yeah beautiful beautiful bit of dialogue okay two out of two so far Question three. What is the name of Braden's first fantasy novel that he is writing? He's writing a
0: series of novels. Oh, yes, he is, isn't he? It's something like, isn't it like Revenge Squad or Revenge Incorporated, is it? Revenge no. Business? Uh, Unfortunately, not. Not Revenge Incorporated.
1: Nope. I'm afraid that's the maximum amount of answers I'm willing I'll to accept.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Particularly, so,
1: <laughs> quite close. Yes. The answer was The Amulet of Arg. The Amulet of Arg, but yeah. was it
0: about a company that sold Revenge is Outlawed? Poss,
1: possibly, but the name of the first novel he is releasing is The Amulet of Arg.
0: Does he have a second novel as
1: well? No further He's, questions. Question four. no. do <laughs> <laughs> Don't try and wean a bonus point or a half point. Okay, so two, there's two more questions to go. You can, you can do this. What is the name of the cinema that Braden, Ronnie and Oinka go to?
0: Oh, God, yeah. Um, It's one of the things of, you'll say it, and I'll go, yeah, that one. Mm. That's the one. Yeah. It's not like the palace or something. It's, uh,
1: it's not. The answer is the horror house. The horror house. Yes. That's what yes. It is. And he has a load of um, grease poured over his popcorn, and yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's the, because when he said the horror house, I was like, oh, they're going to, like, one of those horror houses that you get in the States, where you literally, like, walk around...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought they—I thought, I thought they said I, the whorehouse, so I was like, "Oh, we're going to have a horrible, greasy sex scene."
0: <laughs> I thought, I thought that first, and then I thought it was the whorehouse, like a, like a sort of like a theme parky thing, uh, and they thought, "Oh, well, that's why he's dressed up as a pig because they're going there." Uh, <laughs> but no, no, that uh, was alas,
1: me. Alas, alas. <laughs> okay, so it's all in this final question. Question five: How old was Ronnie when he had Brayden?
0: You know I'm like who wants to be a millionaire when the guy, the, the guy knows he's, he knows the answer but you're almost you're you, you tense to say it just in case suddenly it's wrong but I'm pretty sure because we spoke about it earlier at 16 I think. It is 16 and this has never happened
1: in the history of eight episodes of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Never had a tiebreaker and I don't have a tiebreaker question so I would just say we are both great at quizzes and <laughs> we both got oh, we both got three points. We oh, can marvelous. we can we can go back into our lives knowing we are equals. That's um, I'm disappointed, but I'm happy for you to be <laughs> as, as good <laughs> at paying attention as me. <laughs> thank thank you for your tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. I mean, what a what a wonderful film to study. Uh, thank you for sitting through it and on your own and uh, <laughs> and um, you know going into such detail. Do you have any uh, recommendations for films people should go
0: and seek out? Yeah, it'll probably be nothing sort of dramatic for people who haven't heard. Certainly mm. if they listen to a film podcast, they're, they're already, you know, my sort of people. They've probably <laughs> already seen most of the things I can recommend. But just in terms of what I've seen over the last week or two, Quiet Place, obviously, brilliant film. Watch mm. it with the best best quality headphones you can. Makes it even even better. Okay. Uncut Gems, have you seen that? Yes.
1: Yes, that's so come good. once so far. Yeah, it's very intense.
0: Such a good film. Such good endings. It's like, it's just, it's brilliant and it's tragic and it's it feels real and it just makes you remember that Adam Sandler can be amazing. So, so good. Uh, Parasite, I've seen mm-hmm, again, yep. which I, I, just, I just love it so much. And then if you want something like a pick-me-up, because the world <laughs> is horrific, so if you want to just feel good... Mm. Uh, Beautiful little film called The Queen of Catway on the Disney app. Okay. Uh, which is about a young girl uh, playing chess. Does not sound like a fascinating film. But it's produced by Disney, starring the piece of Leonga and And it's just a really, really lovely film.
1: Nice. Then do you have anything to plug? Anything you're uh, working on? Or where can people find you?
0: So uh, if you check out uh, coulditbemagicshow.com, that's the character comedy magic show that i do i'm currently working on that both sort of padding out extra characters extra routines new material Mm. yeah probably the best thing to look out for is uh later on this year could it be magic's hopefully picking up again nice uh certainly will next year
1: okay cool well that all sounds great and thank you for coming on and talking about the greasy strangler and i hope your life has changed for the better (laughs) (laughs) I will say goodbye and thank you and good luck. And uh, I will speak to you very soon.
0: Lovely stuff. Thanks very much, Chris. Thanks, and, man. Uh, th- thanks to any and all, or any of you who listened. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Take care, guys. Bye All the best. Bye bye.
1: Okay, and that was episode nine of the Big Fat Cult movie podcast with my fantastic guest Paul Aitchison. You can find details of where to find out about Paul's upcoming shows and where to follow him in the description below, and you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Big Fat Cult, and you can follow me, Chris underscore Mayo. Do check out our Big Fat Cult store on eBay, there is a link to that below. And as always, if you are not already subscribed, then please do think about subscribing or leaving us a nice review if you have time to do so. That's all from me for now. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Big Fat Cult Movie Podcast. I've been Chris Mayo. Keep watching weird and wonderful films, and I will see you in the next episode very soon. Goodbye.